We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Bears Report, part two. Yes, jumping into Ben Simmons some more, specifically focusing on last season, what we saw from him, you know, positive, negative, health-wise, all that. Before we jump into it, quick reminder, you know, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, subscribe, review, share, whatever it is. But Jack, where do we start with Ben? Nick, uh, let's start with the positive, because there weren't, there hasn't been many in Ben Simmons' tenure as a Brooklyn now. I know you put out you know, a nice little compilation to it, some, got to a few responses here or there in response to Ben Simmons' best moments as a Brooklyn net. What springs to mind when I ask you that question? Yeah, and obviously some of this is influenced by the replies on the tweet, but that end of stretch in November, you know, there was a, a five-game stretch where you just played some good basketball, kind of started to look like the player we saw in Philadelphia, you know, was able to put a couple good games together. And via our guy Cypher, uh, this is six-game stretch. He played over 31 minutes, averaged 15.5 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 2.5 stocks, 82% from the field and 61% from the free throw line. And that's between November 15th and 25th. So clearly Ben's best stretch of the season. And there was also a level of confidence and physicality and just his overall demeanor seemed like it was in the right direction at that point of the year. Yeah, I think... The demeanor is the the thing that sort of sticks out the most. The stats obviously are nice. I still think during that span, we didn't see the sort of athletic pop that Ben has been known for at his peak that we discussed in in previous episodes on on the BS report. But in in saying that, you take those numbers, you know, <laughs> for an extended period, maybe less than them over a 60, 65 game span, and you're like, that's a bloody effective NBA player. And I think that's what we're sort of looking for for Ben Simmons next season as a book on that. There's people sort of saying, well, we're seeing footage of him. We're not seeing footage of him, but it's good to see him so far. And that little glimpse was, I guess, positive enough for, for Nets fans moving forward. Yeah, I think looking at some of those games specifically, you know, just in my memory bank, you think of Portland and Memphis 
And there was just some games with him attacking the rim. You know, you saw him kind of go at Nurkic in that Portland game, look comfortable. Like you said, not super athletic and not necessarily finishing above the rim, but to a point where he's able to take advantage of a mismatch. In Memphis, you know, he even attacked some pretty good defenders in that game, was able to kind of showcase his ability to finish inside. And that was just kind of a mystery all season long is, you know, at that point in November, it's like, okay, it looks like he's starting to get his comfort back. He's finishing inside a little bit better. But as the season progressed, he still was having issues finishing layups and floaters and to the point where he was even airballing them. So it was like we saw these flashes from Ben where it looked like, okay, he's trending in the right direction. He's getting comfortable. And then all of a sudden that was lost. Yeah. How much of that was the body connection, the mind connection or the body slash mind connection and those sort of two things working in tandem because, you know, post that stretch you alluded to, Nick, you know, he played a couple more games and scored two points in the game against Portland and Orlando and then was inactive for another four games, came back, was inactive again and then had a, a stretch where he was back and looked okay, but nothing really to write home about. He just never really got the consistency out of his mind and his body, the connection there, because as you alluded to, you know, he was kicking out passes where it's just like, Ben, mate, you're six foot 10 and you're, you're posting up, you know, not Kyle Lowry, but someone the size of Kyle Lowry, because Kyle Lowry is a good post defender. You should be just taking that to the rack. And look, maybe that is him just going, look, I can't really jump. I can barely dunk. Like I'd love to know. It's really hard to find, you know, how many dunks per season players have. It's just a weird set that's hard to find. But I would say last year was was a career low, Would even just anecdotally watching the games, because that number by itself, while maybe a little bit subjective, I think just shows you that Ben wasn't able to get out in transition. He wasn't confident enough to, to attack dudes, you know, attack mismatches, all those different sort of things, because his athleticism, was fine you know sort of straight line stuff but he lost some stuff laterally he lost some stuff vertically and i think that affects his game because he doesn't have great offensive skill and he makes up for it with his athletic tools and when you lose a couple of those athletic tools it makes you more more of an ineffective nba player yeah, I think you could even argue maybe after November, he started feeling, you know, less confident or maybe the injury was, you know, reactivated in a negative way. So I think it's just very hard to gauge in all of those different things. And, you know, because the health clearly wasn't there. And it's like Ben played a season that you'd expect to see maybe from like a rookie where we talk about flashes and positivity and then there's no level of consistency. And it's like we just see good quarters rather than good games. And, you know, for a player of his skill and, you know, his status in the league at one point for him to be at the level that he was at towards the end of the year was really disappointing. And obviously if it was all injury related, that almost be a relief because you'd hope that he could get back to being healthy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think that mentality thing, I've gone back to a piece I did for Nets Republic, which was ages ago, and it was a, I like to think a bit of a balance piece because it was literally the case for and against Ben Simmons. And the case against, you know, in making argument for both sides, as we alluded to with that mentality, his drives per game were just way down. Yeah. You know, in Philadelphia, he was averaging around 10 per game, you know, just relentlessly attacking, attacking, kicking out, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. Well, that number... You know, by the end of the year, it might have been below this, but at the point of writing the piece, it was about five per game, like half of those numbers. And that is a number that I think is more reflective and probably piggybacks on what I sort of alluded to with the dunks per game, because when he was driving and kicking, it just opens and it gives the the offense a, a new wrinkle. And I think next season, they're going to need all the wrinkles they can get. So Ben Simmons can increase those numbers to, look, I'm not asking for 10 per game, but get me closer to eight than five. And that's where I think he'll show and it'll be a mentality shift. I'm willing to go here. I'm willing to get some contact. I'm willing to go to the free throw line. And as we've spoken in previous episodes, you alluded to it, Nick, you have the Nick Claxton mentality. I'm not afraid to get there. Yeah, I might be 65% from the line, but I want to have the ball in my hands. I want to get some points in the board. I want to you know, get the, the, the opposing team in foul trouble. So that is certainly a number that I think is... You know, we alluded to the positive, but when it comes to the negative, the drives per game, the free throw attempts, when we were doing the sort of season preview for him before he came into Brooklyn and, and, and put on the, the black and white for the first time, those are numbers we were alluding to. And those are numbers that didn't come to fruition in any sort of positive fashion. Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking back to our predictions last year, you know, Ben probably hit a third, you know, maybe a half of some of those numbers we were hoping to see, you know, he finished the season 42 games, 6.9 points, 6.3 rebounds and 6.1 assists and shot 56% from the field and 43% from the free throw line. It was just rough and kind of getting to the point you made about the dunks, Jack, not only was it a career low number, but it also felt like some of the, the dunks were barely there. You know, we're talking about just getting up to the rim where this is a guy in the past that finished with some major pop on his dunks. And on times he missed easy dunks in games just because the athletic pop wasn't there. And I think on the drives too, it's also, you know, 
different drives have different values. And the fact is Ben has to make defenses think that he's actually willing to score at the rim. You know, if he's consistently driving and not looking to dunk or lay it in or get contact, they're going to play off of him a little bit. And we saw that at times last year where it's like his drives became less effective because everyone in the building knew that he wasn't looking to score and they could kind of sit on some of the passes. Yeah, the, the, you can certainly sag off Ben Simmons probably more than any other player in the NBA. To to be fair, he plays like a center, even though he played small ball center for the Nets and didn't really do it overly effectively. I, I think that that's he just plays the like only... a slow NBA center, like one that you wouldn't think could handle the basketball at times. You know, picks up the dribble too quick, doesn't get all the way to the rim or complete the drive, and it's just it was just so strange to watch given you know what we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, it's weird. He's normally like more of a, an instinctive player, just like sort of, you know, the sort of 0.5 second rule that you hear Greg Popovich and Team team USA sort of throw out there. Just like, cool, I'm going to make the pass. I'm going to drive. I'm going to do this. Whereas it's like Ben just was in two minds and his yeah. mind was playing tricks on him. His body was playing tricks on him. And he just didn't know who to trust, what to trust. And there wasn't that nature of like, you know what, if I get hit here, I'll be right. And yeah, we saw Kevin Durant every time he fell to the floor in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. You know, Nets fans' hearts were in their mouths, including mine and yours. But he he was just you know out there, just out. It, it, it's weird. Uh, it's it might be cliche, but sport is so mental. Like yeah. it is such a, a mental thing. And I think the the literal embodiment of that is Ben Simmons because we spoke about him in previous episodes. This is a guy who is an All NBA player. You know, a, a top fifteen talent. You know the a possible Giannis sort of reincarnate. And we're seeing now a guy that isn't dunking, isn't driving, isn't taking free throws, isn't taking shots. And he's just caught in that sort of negative feedback loop and isn't even effective as, you know, a defensive sort of presence or as a rebound or the, all, all the sort of little things where it's just like, just do your thing, Ben. Like you, you've got all the natural gifts and even as a lesser effective you know, offensive and defensive player with losing, you know, that mobility, fluidity because of the back injuries and everything else in between, he can still be top 50, top 70 sort of five player. And that's a good enough player to make a, a positive impact on the nets. It's just whether he is confident enough and whether his body is right enough. And that's a question we just don't know the answer to, but we saw that six game stretch, Nick, and that's what we're sort of hoping for. I think it might be unrealistic to hope for that over a, a 60 to 65 game stretch. We'll be diving deep into the player preview series soon. And Ben will probably have to get his own episode with the amount of content that we could produce about him. But yeah, it's, it's something that we just, we don't know. And we've said that so much when it comes to Ben. Yeah, it'd be great if maybe the season didn't start amazing for him, but he progressed forward. And, you know, we saw him kind of building on it rather than what happened last year. It felt like some of his... But that kind of did happen a little bit last year. Sorry to interrupt because he started and he like fouled out in like his, his first yeah. game. And then but then I feel like over... he burned out by the time November was over. Exactly. And yeah, as I alluded to, he had like two games after that stretch where he scored two points and zero points and then was inactive for another four games. And I think that was probably a body thing. I think there's also maybe some uh, it seems more now that the organization and Ben are on the same page I think that that probably was less so with Kyrie Katie and and then everything else that was going in between we heard Katie had was like he was frustrated about Ben Simmons uh, all that sort of different thing Kyrie was sort of trying to play the the nurturing support the good cop but Ben wasn't just able to get his body right and you know it, it was 
a bit disappointing because we just felt that the optimism was just like, okay, this guy could be maybe a better fit than James Harden because of his defense. And, you know, he doesn't need the ball in his hands to take shots or whatever, but we never saw that totally click. We saw it. I remember like looking through my tweets, trying to find stuff about Ben, Kyrie and Katie. And there was like a stretch where those guys were, were finding some rhythm, but then Ben would be out for, for an extended stretch because of you know back soreness or, or whatever else it might be. So, if his body is right, Nick, then there's there's nothing else that we can sort of go, look, I think that now the spotlight needs to be on Ben and I think he needs to go, all right, I'm ready for this. I'm going to go in. I'm, if I have a bad game, so be it. That doesn't mean it's going to be a two, three, four, five game stretch. Good players have one bad game, put it behind them and move on to the next one. It, can Ben do that? Or are we going to see like 10 bad games, five good games out for three games? consistency in performance is what we're looking for with any NBA player, let alone one as talented and as gifted as Ben Simmons. Yeah. I think you're looking to him to raise his floor at the very least, you know, his bad games, you know, what are those bad games, you know, two points playing 15 minutes, or is it, you know, 10, six and six, playing 30 minutes in really good defense. You know, that's the, t- the difference in what you can live with and what you can, especially with this Nets team. And, you know, also he had the back, he had knee issues at points last year. I know there was like some swelling, some different things. I guess before we jump into the full negatives, just a couple more positive notes. I thought, you know, some things that he was still successful at, you know, dribble handoffs were still really effective for him at times. I thought his outlet passing for fast break situations was really good. You know, we saw some of those TD passes. And as you kind of alluded to early on, we saw him have some success in the post against smaller guys where he was able to bully. And then, you know, stretches during that first half of the season, you know, in 2022 portion, you know, I thought the defense was still good. It's when we got towards, you know, the 2023 portion of the season where you start to see some of the defense really fall off. Yeah, and he's a defensive player of the year candidate when he's yeah. at his best. And when he's lost a little bit, it it it, it is noticeable. You know, to add on to the positives, Nick, you know, overall on-off numbers reflect positively on Ben Simmons. 1,105 minutes, 1,105 minutes last season, Ben Simmons was on the floor for the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets had a, point, a plus 2.1 net rating. Now, that is surprising. The Nets were better defensively when Ben was off the floor. But offensively, they were drastically better. Now, 1,100 minutes is... Not the fullest sample size you can get. He was off the floor for nearly three thousand minutes, but you know, if that's a obviously you take into account that you know Ben and Kyrie and those are probably minutes were inflated by Kyrie and KD and Ben being aligned with those guys quite consistently. But at the same time, you know, it's it's we're looking for the positives, and that was one. He he was impacting the game positively when he was on the floor. You know, he was in the right combinations and he was doing some stuff. Yeah, I think even at times, too, you could see lineups that allowed him to be more successful and lineups that didn't. You know, it still goes back to, and we've talked about a million times, a stretch five option for him and letting him kind of do his thing if he's healthy and getting downhill and having that open space and having a team that can really run in transition and is more so defensive minded. You know, this roster isn't perfect for him, but there are definitely some, some positives for him for this upcoming season. We'll jump into that more on the upcoming episode, part three for Ben. Yeah, and also more positives as well, Nick. The Nets shot nearly 4% better from three when he was on the floor, nearly 5% better from two when they were on the floor. Again, I think those are probably aligned with KD and Kyrie being on the floor with him because a large portion of his minutes were at least with one of those blokes, if not both of them. And he pretty much didn't play with Mikel and Cam Johnson Nets in the second half, you know, post-All-Star break, he was shut down. So the offensive numbers obviously dip substantially when Katie and Kyrie were traded. So some of it's probably just 
the different you know the different alliterations of this Nets team in terms of the team last year. Exactly, and and look, maybe those numbers are reflected positively because that would be the case with Ben probably in Philadelphia. The three-point shooting would be better with Ben on the floor, even though he's not a three-point shooter because he creates so well for others. As we've both alluded to, you know, in his tenure before coming to Brooklyn, he was the second best player at creating three-point shots for his teammates. And then Russell Westbrook created more. So if Ben can create for others while still getting his own a little bit, you know, the, the floor of Ben Simmons that we want, I don't think is too much to ask. Yeah, I think you just you want good defense, you want playmaking, you want him to at least show a willingness to score layups and dunks and attack the paint to an extent. He doesn't even have to play at an all-star level. We're just hoping for a good starter going to next season. And you know, we haven't really seen that in Brooklyn. There was definitely way more negative takeaways from last year than positive. No, way more negatives than positive. He only played the 42 games. You know, it's and obviously, you know, there's there were rumors about you know him being traded. He's the worst contract in the league. All those different things that go beyond you know Ben. And now we're getting you know, that we got the semi-positive stuff, the sort of the Ben Rich Paul clutch propaganda being fed to ESPN. And what well, I now he Rich Paul dropped him, so he's with a different agent now. I, yeah, so we and now we're getting noise from from his new agency as well, but. We're also hearing a, a little bit of radio silence and we're hearing, you know, players working out with him, you know, Royce and and and, and Dennis Smith Jr. Like it seems to me that Ben's building a rapport within the Nets organization. And I think that you can read into it as little or as much as you want, but at the very least, it's not his teammates. We're not getting what we got from KD via Woj that the fact that you know he's frustrated with him you know he 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 doesn't want him on this team you know all that sort of stuff but we're getting somewhat positive stuff and I guess we're clutching at straws a little bit but you know I'll be happily you know if that if that leads to positive performances from Benny needs that sort of nurturing style the organization with their backs behind him there's going to be much less pressure on him as well because of the the fact of the expectations around the nets are going to be you know not so low but you know average you know, they're not, they don't have championship aspirations. And then, you know, Ben coming back, is he going to come back for the playoffs? Is he not going to come back for the playoffs? Is he in the group chat? Is he not in the group chat? All those dumb rumors and stuff, they, they aren't going to pertain. There's there's not going to be the level of spotlight that we alluded to a, a tad earlier. The spotlight will still be there, but it ain't going to be as right at, it ain't going to be as bright at Barclays as it was when Katie and Kyrie were here. Yeah. And you'll see that even just with the amount of media coverage for the Nets in this upcoming year compared to the three seasons past, you know, there just won't be as much attention, you know, talking about the Nets in general. And maybe that'll be a positive for Ben Simmons. It might be, you know, the, the fact that there are low expectations, you know, low presence of media, you know, obviously there is, there's still expectations. It's still New York. You know, there's always, you know, the, the microscope on Ben Simmons, maybe more than any other Australian basketball that we've ever had. You know, Patty Mills has had it a little bit. Andrew Gaze has had it a little bit. But there's something about the the, the personality and the vibes that Ben sort of gives off. You know, I remember the, the press conference. He was saying all the right things. Then we got the, you know, the JJ Reddy podcast. We discussed that a little bit on previous episodes. But yeah, it, it's just going to be, I have low expectations. And it's sort of like, you know, Zendaya in, in, in her character in No Way Home. It's just like, you know, I have low expectations and I'll be happily surprised if something good happens. That's probably what I'm gonna, I, I feel like with Ben. But I have like this also part of me in my other brain where it's just like, Ben could be all right. And if, even if Ben is an average, you know, 10 and 10, 10, 8 and 5 sort of basketball player for, for the Brooklyn Nets, that's some, some, uh, some nice additions and some nice, 
you know, cherry on top to what the Nets need. They need every little sprinkle and wrinkle they can get, as we alluded to. Yeah, I mean, if he's solid, that's something. It's better than being arguably the worst contract in basketball and not contributing and, you know, playing really poorly. And, you know, I think just going through my list of failures last year, it was just, you know, the scoring was really, really bad. You know, he was airballing layups, not willing to take shots in the paint, looked really uncomfortable, you know, shooting floaters at times, was not consistent really in any way in terms of attacking. You know, he looked like a different player from quarter one to quarter four sometimes. I thought another thing that was really frustrating was for such a good passer, he threw a lot of lazy passes, easy turnovers. And as we talked about, you know, there was bad defense in that second portion of the season for him. And, you know, there was just like a lack of activity and engagement at times, you know, almost not wanting to be involved or touching the ball or just kind of hiding in the dunker spot and not really doing much of anything. Any final Ben thoughts, Nick, other than the negatives or overall, how are we feeling? BS Report, this series was a fun one. It'll be ending soon, but it will be returning with the BS Report uh, with a Ben Simmons 2023-2024 season preview very soon. Yeah, not really much. I think the biggest mystery with everything we said, and we've kind of alluded to it on the last two Ben Ben episodes, is where was the health? You know, what was the health at? It's really hard to gauge him and grade him and, you know, give opinions on him not knowing what was going on with his back and his knee and his mental health and all those different things. So it's a really complicated situation and hopefully it, you know, ends in a positive direction. Like you said, part three coming up. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.